Blog Talk Radio. Children. I'm certified vibrational 
therapist and positive psychology and energy psychology therapist at Quantum Wellness Center, my private practice located in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams live each and every week. Awareness Radio is sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 100 video books to choose from. You can listen whenever and wherever you want. Download the title you prefer free charge and start listening when you sign up for a 30 day trial at autotrial.com slash energy awareness. That's autotrial.com slash energy awareness. My guest, Peter Borden, is co author with his wife, Brianna Borden, new book, Rituals for Transformation 108 Day Journey to Your Sacred Life. The creators of the Rules for Living Online Community and Transfer, a holistic wellness book, courses, and spa in Portland and Boulder. Peter is a doctor of Asian medicine who helps people attain a whole health of body and body. He has authored hundreds of articles. So welcome to the show, Peter. Thank you so much for taking time to join us in G Awareness Radio. How are you? Thanks for having me, T. Uh, I'm I'm only hearing tiny snippets, really, of what you're saying at this point, but um, I uh, I'm doing well. <laughs> I'm going to try something else. So I'm going to ask you a question because I know audience can hear you. And I'm going to try something to see if we can get this to work. I didn't really get uh, that. Hold on. Okay, did you get that? Uh, do you say hold on? I did. Okay. Yeah, correct. Hi, how are you? Can you hear me now? Yes, there's there's yes. your voice is clear. Okay. And so you can hear me pretty well. Yes. Okay. All right. We'll try this. Okay. So anyway, what I was saying is that I absolutely love your book. It's it's a hard cover and it's really pretty, which is nice, and it feels good, and it will make a really wonderful holiday gift. But aside from the aesthetics of the book, and more importantly. It's packed with so much useful and beneficial information. It really allows one to fully engage with complete awareness. But before we get into the holiday aspect, you know, of all of this, could you please tell us what what the catalyst was for writing this particular book? Yeah, uh, you know, my wife and I uh, have years of treating people for various physical and psychological issues. And over the years, we began to help people focus more and more on uh, establishing wellness in their life uh, in, in, on a broader level, that is, being able to make and achieve goals and have financial wellness and wellness in their relationships and so on. Um, and then as we heard from people and and got more and more feedback about their stories and triumphs and so on, what we saw was that um, while it was great to see people set and achieve big goals, um, frequently we would notice that some people had an outlook that um, helped them stay positive regardless of whether they achieved their goals or not. And... Um, it was a good reminder to us that everyone gets to choose their perspective and that there's a quality of wellness that goes beyond your life circumstances that's within you. And uh, we had hinted at it in our previous books, but we're kind of tentative about getting too much into spirituality because it's, it can be a touchy subject for people. And then we just decided we, we can't beat around the bush anymore um, because people who have a spiritual connection and practice and have um, 
gone deep within themselves and let go of some baggage and figured out a little bit about who and what they really are, um, develop a sort of resilience that is with them even during hard times. And that's what we really want for people, even more than that they can set and achieve specific goals. And I think you did it well in this book because it's not – this is interactive. That's what I like about it. It's an interactive book where you read for a very short period of time, and then you do. And it it tells you what to do. You can't help but go deep or as deep as you feel with each lesson, if I can call it that. And it is called Rituals for Transformation, and it encompasses all of your life, body, mind, spirit, so if someone thinks this is just the spiritual aspect, it's most certainly not. It's so much more. And it is a, a 108-day journey to your sacred life. Why 108 days? Why not, you know, 180 half a year or 90 days? <laughs> well, we like the number for a few reasons, and, and, and I won't get into all of them because we explained it in the book. But right. um, the 108 is considered to be a sacred number in a number of Eastern philosophies or spiritual systems and uh the the digits of 108 1 plus 0 plus 8 add up to 9 which is the biggest number of of you know from 0 to 9 and so it it sort of uh is related to abundance or completion right. or fullness and um the wisdom of it, all the numbers yeah and when you if you ever have seen someone wearing uh a mala which is like the uh, the eastern equivalent of a rosary, um, it has 108 beads on it, and uh, usually people will use it to do 108 recitations of a mantra. And uh, in Western astrology, we have the 12 signs of the zodiac, and we and we have nine planets, and 12 times nine is 108. And then there are even some interesting uh, astronomical significances to the number like the diameter of the sun is about 108 times the diameter of the earth and the average distance from the sun to the earth is about 108 sun widths and the average distance from the moon to the earth is about 108 moon widths so uh it's it's just strange that it happens to uh figure into all these different elements of uh, human and astronomical uh realities I, I actually love that because uh, usually during the um, autumnal equinox, or no, I'm sorry, the um, oh, the summer solstice, we'll do 108 sun salutations in yoga. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's really cool to do that, to get the class to do 108 sun salutations. They're exhausted, but they like <laughs> it. Yeah. There are so many things about 108. People were asking me, well, what's with 180? Why isn't it 180? You sure it's not a typo? And I'm like, no, it's not a typo. And if you want to know, you have to buy the book and read it or listen to the stuff. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no, I'm not, not going to do a spoiler alert. That's up to the, the author to do. So I wanted to get some of it out there because it is a significant number in so many different ways. And that in itself, it kind of proves to me, I guess, and maybe this is just me, that there is a spirituality to all of this, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Uh, you know, and stress, stress reduction, particularly at this time of year, is so important. And your book really affords many opportunities to reduce stress rather quickly you know, when you focus on the process or the lesson for the day. And people who, like, peruse the book thought, well, this will take too long. It does not. It sets you up for your day. And when you think about how much time people take texting and not being present with another person, when you're texting, you're really not present unless you're, you know, texting a specific response and that's it. But most people yeah. are fooling around on their little magic phones and they're, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. If you just sit with, with this book, which I find so cathartic because you can feel it. It's the tactile energy that you get from it. And there's something about it when you pick it up and start to read it and then start filling in the pages. It's your energy. It's all about you. This is an all-about-you book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have had some participants who are nearing the end of it the the book came out in august and we have a like a support group on facebook and people are saying oh i'm almost sad that it's over but now i have this whole book that's kind of like a journal of the process that i went through and i'm going to now go back and just read through everything that i wrote all the kind of revelations that came to me 
Um, so yeah, it is. It, you know, forever after it will be a book about you and your process of. And who says you can't awakening. do it again? You know, you can continue of to course. do it because you internalize it as you're doing it. Things come up. I've done similar things, not in this format, but similar things where you work on something for, let's say, a month, and you're writing things down. Very cathartic, very uh, enlightening. You can you can get rid of a lot, you can release a lot, and you can bring in a lot of new. You can be so it, it allows you to create. Do you find that with your groups that they're creating a whole lot more than they ever thought they would? Oh yeah, lots of people who uh, maybe had an, an an outlet for their creative expression earlier in life, and um, somehow it just got sidelined because of whatever their career path was, and now they're saying, "Oh, I'm getting back to." pottery or painting or writing or music or whatever we've had people posting pictures of beautiful things that they've created um so i consider that a good and the obstacles are getting out of the way and a person's creative expression is coming through in a very big way how long did it take you to to actually co-author this book because I'm sure you didn't just sit down on a Saturday and say, hey, let's do this for the weekend and get it done. You know, Maybe you did. I don't know. I shouldn't say that. Some crazier things have happened. I know that from experience. But, you know, it seems like it was very well thought out and very well formatted to really bring you along the journey. Yeah. It was about a six-month process. We That's not long. No. We had a, a lot of the elements sort of already in place, and they had been ideas that had been prominent in our uh, conversations for a long time Um, and then it was just a matter of taking all of these essential lessons and reminders that we were often telling ourselves or telling our patients and uh, and and whittling it down to 108 and then even after writing them we spent a really long time deciding the best way to order them so that there would be a natural kind of deepening and unfolding and, and and a returning to certain themes repeatedly because most people need to hear something a, a bunch of different times to for it to really sink in. Um, and we finally came up with something we were happy with. And um, I'm actually in the process myself of doing it myself. So uh, it's, it's uh, I'm, I'm happy with it. And it's a totally different thing to be doing your own process um, than to be writing it for other people. I'm but sure. it's great. Yeah, it's probably yeah. even more difficult for you because you wrote it and you know you have a different view, a di- totally different perspective. It you is. Know, I, I have to say that uh, almost every time I write an article or, or a book, I I sort of feel like I'm writing my own prescription, like this is what I need <laughs> to study and listen to and practice. So Don't you think um, that's true? I think that's true of everyone. When you yeah. are doing something, it's stuff that you need to learn or know or have, uh, like getting back to basics. You need to be refreshed about it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just thought it was a great book as I – now, of course, I didn't even start it because I'm reading it for this show so that I can do an interview. And I'm looking at it thinking, oh, I can't wait to start it. Only I'm looking at it thinking I'm not going to write in the book. It's too nice a book. <laughs> <laughs> People say pages. that all the time, and I, I want them to write in it. But if you saw my writing, you'd say, oh, don't ruin my book. (laughs) I literally have to type thank you notes on my computer and then draw them out onto cards when I send thank you notes or congratulatory notes. And I do it all the time, and people laugh at me because I do handwritten notes a lot, but I cannot write well. So I I print it out in big letters I can see across the room and then write the words so that I'm doing it slowly. I would have to do Hmm. that. But your book, it, it does have a process or a flow. It has a really good flow to it. I could see that without even doing it. It just goes from one thing to the next to the next, and I could see how you could get from page one to page ten, you know, easily going through these ten days. And I don't know. There's not a lot of verbiage in the book. It's up to you to do your part as the reader. You're the participant, and this is all about you. So... It's very interesting the way that it works. It's it's not academic. It's fun. I, I looked at it as being something that's fun. And, boy, I think that people would come away a totally different person, even after just a few days. You must notice that, that people after three to five days are already saying things like, wow, this is making a difference. Yes? They are. And, I, I mean, if, if you – 
just sort of scrolled through the group where people are routinely just helping each other through it, um, I, I'm blown away. I can't, I can't even fathom the uh, the number of stories that we've had already of people saying this has completely transformed me. Um, and it, you know, it's not every lesson that speaks deeply to every person. The, the beginning of the book, for instance, is about making peace with your body. And uh, we'll have some people who will say, I can't even start this. This this very first one, I'm grateful for my body. I, I'm, I hate my body. I don't even know where to go from there. Um, and then you'll have people who say, you know, I don't feel like I have big issues with my body. But then they get to the section on, say, their mind or their identities or eating or something else. And that's where their stuff comes up. Um, and, it, you know, which is why I think, like you were saying before, it's worth doing it again um, because at another point, having peeled away some layers, it may be that one of these areas where you thought, no, nah, I've got that all covered, you realize, oh, wait, <laughs> there's something there I had no idea about, and here we go. It's true, and you could do this. You, don't, you wouldn't necessarily have to do this three times in one year. You could make this something that you do every year just once so that you can process the rest of the time if need be. Or do it once, wait another 108 days, and start it again. You could fit yeah. two in in a year if you wanted to. You can do three. But it seems to me, you know, it's good that you have a group. Because in a group, if somebody said, you know, I don't like my body, my first question would be, okay, now let's not think of it as an aesthetic thing. Let's think of it about what your body does for you. Now yeah. how do you like your body? You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And people are, you know, someone will will write something like that. How do I, you know, you you say here you you want us to be grateful for our body and how can I be grateful for my body when it is, you know, paralyzed or it's covered with sores or you know, something that that gets in the way of my accepting it. And uh oftentimes I'll be scrolling through the comments that the other participants have already offered while trying to think about what I what I want to say and I realize that the other participants have already done such a great job yeah. from their own experience that I don't need to say anything and it's really moving uh when that happens I and mean, it happens all the time people naturally I think are are driven to help and speak from their own experience and connect and share and uh it's yeah, it's lovely to watch. I think it's the compassion of the group and it's and when you have a group that is that does have compassion for each other, when you're all going through the same journey, it's a lot easier to be compassionate with the other people in the group and offer the help and it will be the right help that they need than it is if you're doing it on your own and you just ask someone and they say just something without realizing what it is that you're doing because then it's a, almost a, an off-the-cuff remark that people will think, well, you don't know, you've never been, you don't know what I'm doing, and they won't yeah. take it seriously. But the group setting, what a great idea to do that. Was that something you planned on, it, or did it just evolve out of oh, a lot of yeah, people reading? No, we, we knew we wanted that in there um, from the beginning because uh, we've both done a lot of – training in things like integrity and uh, accountability where you have a partner that you're checking in with on a regular basis, and it makes such a big difference. Huge difference, yes. Happening, what's coming up. Um, part of it is um, feeling like people are are expecting you to participate and show up, um, and, and that doesn't really happen in that group call you if you don't show up then post something um, but seeing that the challenges and the elements say of your shadow aspect the things about yourself that you don't have are shared with other people it makes you feel alone and that you know the ways you might ever are really very common facets Peter, are you there? Yes. Oh, okay. Did You're I cut out? Off. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I agree. I think that group settings and, and people who, when you do things in a group, it is a lot. There's a lot more camaraderie and a lot more um, compassion for the members of the group because you're all experiencing the same thing and you know it. So yeah. you know you're more apt to listen to the other people. 
So I think that's great that you came up with that to be able to have people experience in that way. I think they get more out of it. Oh, they absolutely do. Mm. Okay, so that's your book, which I also think would make a wonderful, I really do think this would make a wonderful holiday gift. And the holidays are coming up, people. So, you know, Rituals for Transformation, 108-Day Journey to Your Sacred Life, fabulous book, uh, Dr. Peter Borton and his wife, Brianna, Brianna and uh, yeah, it's something that you should go and check out and get it. It's, you're giving a gift that will last for a very long time. It's not something that, you know, you throw out after a while or it wears away or you use up. It's something that will transform a person's life. So go ahead and check it out, get the book, and while you're at it, or before you do that, let's talk about creating some of the rituals to encourage gratitude during the holidays. Right now, you know, it is the holiday season. We're past the dysfunctional family Thanksgivings, and we're headed down the road to <laughs> gift-giving season. And that can be extremely stressful, thinking, buying, wrapping, mailing, baking, entertaining, attending events. There's so much crammed into one month of gifting and partying It seems that the ability to stay present with oneself and get it all done, they're just worlds apart. So maybe we can talk about how to strengthen our foundation, to ground ourselves and actually enjoy the holidays with some things that you can do that are simple. In in a lot of these things that, that you talk about, the creating rituals to encourage gratitude are not elaborate. You don't have to you know, set something, take the time, take six hours to set something up for a half an hour dinner or something like that. It's as easy as turning on your favorite music while you do something, while you're cooking. You know, turn on the music and allow yourself to enjoy what you're doing and be present in the moment. And then that stress kind of goes away. Or you had a number of other things that you had mentioned in the in the papers I've gone through here that were sent by your publicist, and I thought this is a really good thing to talk about at this time because we're right in the middle of it. You know, Thanksgiving's over, uh, Hanukkah, uh, Christmas, and, and Kwanzaa are all coming up, and people are gearing up to do that, and I think we saw the evidence of that. If I saw one more Black Friday thing or Cyber Monday thing, I, I was going to shoot myself because <laughs> they started it right after Halloween, and I'm like, wait a minute, there's a, there's a Black Friday at Halloween? I was getting so confused, and, you know, it was a lot. It was a lot. So, yeah. yeah. It uh, takes a lot of consciousness to uh, not get swept up in, um, you know, corporations' uh, financial desires for this season. This is, you know, they call it Black Friday for a reason. It's what's supposed to put – all these stores in the black for the year right. because they sell so much. And uh, and it, we shouldn't take it as a mandate for how we should behave. Um, we're just being influenced by good marketing. And I, I'd say this, people can get some kind of ritual into place before things get even more crazy, uh, the more likely it is to help us feel centered through this period. And we talk about... Um, a number of different elements people can incorporate into their rituals. And you can take a ritual that comes from your personal ancestry or religion or whatever background you want, or you can just create your own. But one of the ways in which it uh, works best for people is if you, during that ritual time, you do something different than usual, whether that's you're taking out some essential oils or incense or something and you, you know, evoke a scent that you usually aren't exposed to or you light a candle, which you usually don't do, or you put on a special garment of some sort or you eat or drink something that's significant to you or you look at a picture of a person that's meaningful to you. In some way, you do something different than your regular mundane uh, routine And that causes your awareness to sort of uh, perk up and pay attention. And these rituals become kind of imprinted in your consciousness because of the way they stand out as something different and something that's hopefully consistent that you do day in and day out. And it doesn't need to be uh, a long thing. It's more significant that it's consistent than that you spend an hour or something with it. Um, even if you just had three minutes or five minutes or something to take the time 
to take a few deep breaths and light a candle and just focus on what's really good and working in your life right now rather than the habit of focusing on the broken things. Um, it can it can act as this sort of anchor that your whole mind and body comes to kind of rely on as this consistent thing that's always there for you. Um, and, you know, we hear about these all the time in cultures that are going through times of oppression or hardship or whatever, that they have their their Sabbath meal or their get-togethers or whatever that get them through these time periods because it's like this is the time where we all uh, focus on what's really important and everything else just kind of dissolves for a little bit. You know, and I think that's important. You bring up a good point, and it reminds me of, you know, First of all, a lot of people don't like the word ritual because they think it's either a satanic thing because it's not part <laughs> of a ceremony or it's a religious thing and they're not religious but they're spiritual. And, yeah. uh, you know, you hear that all the time. And the word spiritual has really gotten a bad rap, too, because people overuse it when they don't really understand what what it is. And they're yeah. just saying, well, I'm not religious, but I believe in something, so I'm spiritual. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, there's a diff- spirituality, to me, is kind of a way of life. And, you know... When we do rituals, in, or if we want to call them mm, uh, just special things, I guess. I guess. When you use your, a lot of people don't use their dining room but two or three times a year. Well, if you just decided that maybe once a week you're going to start using the dining room table, you know, and uh, make that a habit once a week to try to do that to get the family together. Years ago, stores were closed on Sunday. Every store in this country was closed on a Sunday. It was a forced day off. It was downtime. No one could go anywhere. Pharmacies were only open until noon. So if you got sick at 12.01, forget it. You had to wait till Monday. But in the meantime, people were forced to stay home. And that was somewhat of a ritual because people would go to church on Sunday morning if they were of that religion or they'd go to uh, temple on Saturday evening. But Sunday was a day off. You could do whatever you wanted, but everybody knew it was downtime. So... Now we look at that and we say, that's not the way this world is now. Now everything is going seven days a week. It's about the almighty buck. Everybody's got to make money. And you're right, Black Friday is because, you know, let's put the money in the pockets of the corporations and it should be Red Friday for everybody who's spending all their money and can't afford to. So when you look at these small rituals you can do just to help you, they will reduce your stress levels. You know, if you just light candles and shut the lights off during dinner every night, that's a ritual. But it's important to note, I think, and I, I'm pretty sure I read it in your papers, that you need a structure. You need, you need to be able to start it and end it in some way so it isn't just setting the table and it becomes rote. It needs to have form. You did say that, I think, in one of the articles, did you not? Peter, are you there? Oh, no. Did I lose you? Hello? Hello, Peter. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. What happened? I don't know where you. I don't know. We got disconnected or something. But we got disconnected. Um, okay. Did you hear me talking? <laughs> yes, I heard you talking, and I was going to say, um, yes, it needs a container, and there's something to be said for setting a clear intention, whether it's just sort of stated in your mind or or or, or said verbally. Like now we're going to give thanks, something that, you know, that, that it could be as simple as that, or it could be, you know, I'm going to set aside the stressful stuff for a moment and focus on what's really important. And then you do your ritual and then maybe you do something at the end to close it up. You know, you say to yourself, uh, I'm going to seal this process and, you know, made this, uh, be you know nourishing to me and uplifting and 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 let me you know hold these positive thoughts for the rest of the day or whatever works for you but making it in a container like that um i think allows it to be even more significant in your consciousness as this reliable consistent thing we really thrive on consistency and this is a, a form of consistency that's so different from the consistency of all the kind of routine um, hurrying kind of things that we do every day. And it's purposeful. 
You know, yeah. when you, I mean, that's why people used to say grace before a meal. You know, it's purposeful because you want to try to, I mean, how many times, I'm, I'm guilty of this every, almost every time, almost every time. I'm just eating for sustenance at this point. Okay? <laughs> this is all I'm eating for. There's no savoring. There's no sitting down and, 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 you know, enjoying a meal. It's like, give me some broccoli. I'm on the run. Give me some carrots. <laughs> I've got to get going. You know, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's really what it comes down to. And that's sad because I'm not taking the time that I need to be appreciative of the food that I have because there are people who do not have food. You know, I know this. I run a children's foundation. We're feeding these kids. So, mm-hmm. you know, when we see this going on, you have to remember to take care of you so you can take care of others. But you really have to take care of you in more than just the way of sustenance. You really have to take care of yourself in a way that allows you to appreciate your own self. And I think we get away from that, too. So even things as as simple as taking a shower. Feel yourself take the shower. Feel the water on you. And make that a ritual to be aware of what it feels like and how good it is to have clean water because anybody who's traveled around the world, sometimes you go places and you need to have bobbed water to brush your teeth. And I'm talking places like even Italy. Yeah, I yeah. wouldn't brush teeth in Italy without bottled water. I think you hit upon really the, probably the most significant part of it hopefully makes this whole idea of forging new rituals a little bit less daunting and more accessible to people, which is that the main thing is a shift in consciousness. Uh, You could make rituals around things that you already do if you feel like you don't have time to add anything else um, by just doing that thing with an expansion of consciousness. So rather than just eating for survival, you're expanding your consciousness beyond just this got to get food in my mouth so that I don't shut down. And instead, you know, it becomes, oh, I'm connecting and I'm grateful for the many hands along the way that, you know, brought this from the earth to my plate. Um, or exactly as you, as you said, as you're washing your body, that you're grateful for clean, warm water that just comes right into your house and that you have uh, a healthy body and, uh, you know, in other facets of that that could allow you to feel a different kind of presence. And I think to go back to your book, Rituals for Transformation, that helps you to get there. Those, those rituals, those uh, daily lessons that one needs to do allows you to fully experience everything because it draws you through the process. It's a guide to help you through the process so that you will get there and you can ultimately at the end of the book, you've done all the lessons, you'll be much more aware, and you may not be thinking of every single thing every single day. You don't have to be, but just be aware. It's the whole awareness and presence of what is happening and what's going on now. And even when things are not going well, I will never forget this woman who walked into the yoga class and snapped her yoga mat. And I thought, wow, I did not know you could snap a yoga mat. <laughs> I do now. And, you know, I learned that. <laughs> like, you can snap a yoga mat. Okay. She was so upset that she got there late. It's yoga. It's yoga. <laughs> you know, and afterward I said to her, what's, what's the problem? She goes, well, I was behind this car, and it wouldn't take the right, and it was in the wrong lane. It was just really making me mad. So I came in, and I said, and you snapped your mat. And she said, yeah, I said, don't snap your mat. The yoga mat really shouldn't be snapped. It's, it's being kind to you to help you and your body. <laughs> and she goes, you don't understand. I said, but I do. How do you know that you weren't stopped behind that car that wasn't going anywhere because maybe something worse was going to happen to you had you taken the right-hand turn and somebody wasn't watching and hit you? How do you know? Yeah. You don't know. So try to, as you're sitting there and things aren't going your way, just think, I don't know what I'm being, you know, being made to stop and and avoid. I don't know what I'm avoiding here. So I'll just take it and say, okay, thank you for letting me have these few moments of presence where I don't, you know, I'm not happy, but and I get it, and just move forward with it. And even that, those things, when you start, I think when you finish your book, which I admit, I haven't, I, I've, I've read it, but I haven't done it. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. But I think that in seeing everything that can be done, it's got to, at the end, make you so much more aware so you are more appreciative and you can you know, walk into a yoga class late and not snap the mat. <laughs> That's not part yeah. of the ritual, <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, it's it's all those moments consistently um, of choosing to just be innocent with what's in front of you instead of pushy or bossy or arrogant or saying this shouldn't be this way, but just being innocent with it and saying, well, this is. I love is. that word. You know. No it, one has it, used that word before. That is a great word because it, it puts a whole different perspective on it. Yeah, you don't know what it's all about and what's going to come out of it, right? That's right. And I think when you approach life with with an attitude sort of of arrogance, like I know, yeah, I've seen this. I had this this elderly teacher. Um, He was very close to the end of life, and that was kind of his main lesson. We were all taking notes furiously and in our minds a lot, and, was teaching us really about being with a patient, completely being with them. And he just stopped and he said, I bet none of you noticed this flower in the corner. There was this, this flower in a pot. And he said, you th- I've seen a flower before, but, but you haven't seen this flower in this moment. And uh, it was, you know, kind of hit me over the head. It was like, we go through with life with a certain arrogance. Like, yeah, I've seen people before. I've seen cars before. I've seen every. I've seen it all before, and we miss out on that opportunity that only innocence can really open us to. Like children, children. Yeah. You know, they'll they'll bring you a handful of, you know, um, dandelions because they're yellow and they're pretty and they're in the yard, and yeah. everybody wants to kill them. You know, kill those dandelions. They're weeds. And I'm like, you know what? Everything was a weed before somebody decided it was a perennial. You know? <laughs> and they charge a lot of money at the nursery. Everything was a weed, you know? Yeah. So to me, when a child presents me with dandelions, it's like, yes, they're beautiful because they're so bright yellow. You don't see that bright yellow a whole lot. And I think they're pretty. It does. They don't bother me. <laughs> but to have yeah. that innocence, you know, I love that word. No one has used that word before, Peter, and explained it in that way. And that is huge. Because it does make you realize, oh, yeah, okay. You know, I think I know what's going on. I don't have a clue. I, you know, people have sometimes <laughs> said to me, you know, you're really smart. And I say, yeah, I am. I, I'm smart enough to know. I test well, so I know I'm smart. But I'm smart enough to know I don't know everything. You've got to be that smart. You've you got to oh, know yeah. that. You've got to know <laughs> that. <laughs> you know, there's no other way around it. You have to understand that because you can't. And using that word to be present and in the innocence of it, I think that's great. You should write a book about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I probably will at least write an article about it one of these days, and uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, Because it's really, it really is, it really shifts the whole thing. You can, we always hear, you know, be present, be in your awareness, understand what's going on, feel into it. All these different phrases to, to be present and to be aware, but to just look at it with innocence, it's like, yeah, because that's really what we're doing every day. Yeah, and when we look at the way that children do things, oh, you can just tell that there's a richness to their lives, which I think so many adults yearn for, Mm -hmm. and it has so much to do with their perspective, that they still have that innocence. Yeah, they haven't gone to school long enough for it to be taken away from them by the elders. I know it's the thing I want to protect the most in my children when I, when I, you know, when they come home from being out with other kids, I'm always hoping that they haven't learned how to be calculated about everything the way we start to get after a while. Yeah. That they still believe that they're butterflies when they put a pair of wings on. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's they have this magical innocence about them. They have this, they come in knowing so much more than we do, and then we take it away from them, and then they're 30, and they're looking for it again. It's like, <laughs> why do we take it away, and they have to go back and look for it again? It was done to us. It was done to our parents. It was done to our parents' parents, and we know this. <laughs> we perpetuate yeah. it. You know, yeah, and I don't know that it's wrong. It's part of the process to mm-hmm. sort of forget and then remember. Yep. Try to remember. We we seek ways, you know, like your book. We seek ways to to bring us back to what was because we feel and we're feeling earlier and earlier in life. There's something missing. What's missing? Well, it's not missing. It's there. It's just that somebody else put beliefs on top of it. Now you have to scrape those away. And like you said, we're like an onion. We peel away yeah. layers, and then we need to go back and sometimes something. What you you think you got rid of something and you didn't. There's no way. 
It's never gone because there will be a trigger. It won't be as severe the next time, the thought or the pain or the hurt, but Mm -hmm. you will feel it. And then when you think you got rid of it, maybe years later, you'll feel it again, guaranteed, because something will trigger it. There's always a trigger for those things that cause us the pain and the hurt. It's really unfortunate that we kind of concentrate on those or focus on those when, in fact, we don't focus as much on what about those things that were wonderful? What about yeah. all those things? Let's trigger those. Mm-hmm. Those things don't, I think, cut as deep of a groove in the psyche right. as those wonderful events, which, uh, you know, the survival element of the mind, I think, really wants to be vigilant, to never let that happen again. And so, you know, we really pay attention, and then we look for patterns that resemble those hurtful experiences so that we can anticipate them and avoid them again. And, you know, like you say, I, I don't think it's actually even realistic to uh, try to get those triggers or buttons to go away forever. Um, to me, the key is really learning to trust yourself to move through it efficiently the next time it comes up. So. Right. You recognize it, oh, there it is again, and I'm going to reaffirm my commitment to letting it go every time it comes up and move on. And you can do it more quickly each time because you've got the history to validate that you did it once, and the first time is the hardest, (laughs) you know, and each time you can say, well, that really ticked me off and doesn't seem to tick me off as much as it did before. Okay, I've got to get past this because it's just stupid now, (laughs) you know. Sometimes it's that easy. It takes a while to get there, but sometimes the issue can be to the point where it is that easy. And, you know, it will trigger and you might laugh. I mean, I've done that before and said, okay, here we go again. All right. And then there are other times they say, well, what fresh hell is this that I'm going through? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I really don't want to deal with this. (laughs) You can move through it easily a hundred times and then all of a sudden fall into it (laughs) in a absolutely dramatic, you know, overwhelming way. And, uh, And it's in those moments that we're very likely to think, oh, I thought I had made so much progress, and here I am at square one again. Um, But once again, you reaffirm your commitment to letting it go and moving through it, and you just trust yourself again and keep going. And I think your book really speaks to that, even though, you know, people might be thinking, well, I thought it was a process that you do on your own. It is. It's a process that you do, and it's not, I shouldn't say, on your own, because you're guiding them through the process, which is wonderful, but it will help them to get through all the other things, and everything is relatable, you know. It, uh, not every single thing is going to resonate with every single person right now, but everything is at least relatable where you, can, you might not say you've gone through it or you have to deal with it, but you can relate to it and say, oh, yeah, okay, I, I get that. You know, it hasn't yeah. happened to me, but I get it, or I don't have to worry about this too much. I don't have an issue with it, but I get it. Because mm-hmm. then you have more of an understanding, which brings about more compassion for your fellow man. Oh, absolutely. I think that it's easy to just sort of dismiss the things that don't push a button in you. Um, But the more we recognize that we all have shared experiences and that there's really nothing in anyone, even if it hasn't been played out to the same dramatic degree that it has in someone else, there's really nothing in anyone that isn't also within you. That's right. Um, So there's something there. Yeah, and as you say in your book, this is – this process is an act of love for yourself. It really is. And when you do that for yourself, it dominoes. It, you, it just goes out to everybody else. Because when you change you, you're changing your energy and your vibration, and that automatically goes out to all the other people. And you can't change other people, but they will change because you change. So they'll come and go in and out of your life. You'll have new people coming in into your life. But it is a true love and respect for yourself. That's what you gain from this. Yeah, I agree. And yeah. I do think that people, at least on a subtle level, pick up on you being authentic or you making space for your highest self to come through or you being brave and looking at the hard stuff, and it gives them permission to do the same. Yes, and and it allows them to say, okay, well, if, if that person can do that, then maybe I can do that. 
mm-hmm. then they will start to do that, and they'll start to see themselves differently. And that just makes everybody better, and then we have a much better world. So that's the goal. But I think your book really speaks well to all of that, and it just will help people immensely with so many different aspects of their life. It, it is all-encompassing, body, mind, and body, mind, and spirit. Uh, and it's a wonderful, wonderful book. And I can't believe we're almost at the top of the hour, Peter, but before we go, would you please tell our listeners how they may learn more about you and where they may purchase your book, Rituals for Transformation, 108-Day Journey to Your Sacred Life? Well, uh, there's a website just for the book called ritualsfortransformation.com, and then our main website is thedragontree.com, which has... Uh, You can get the book there, and you can read our bios, and you can look at all of our other offerings. We have online courses and some wellness products that we created and and tons and tons of free articles. And if you're going to Boulder or Portland, they have spas. (laughs) Yes. It's worth just a trip for that, so plan your next vacation around Boulder or Portland. <laughs> I'm sure it would be wonderful. Spas are just so, I mean, that's really transformational right there. But mm-hmm. I have to say that this book, it's a beautiful book. It feels good. It just, it, it, it has a great texture to it. It's not something that you just read and put down. You actually read and do, so it makes a wonderful gift for yourself or for others. So do check it out, local bookstores, Amazon, whatever it is. Um, thank you so much, Peter, for being on the show. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I, I appreciate all of your time. I know that you're very busy, and I really appreciate you coming on air. Thank you, T. It's always a pleasure talking with you. Uh, I feel like you and I uh, share so many of the same uh, philosophies and have done a lot of similar exploration. Yeah, I think so. And, and your book is going to help me with my next explorations because I plan on doing it, but I, I am going to say I don't want to write in the book. I just, I'm having a hard time with that. <laughs> I really am. I, it's too pretty. I totally understand, but I also <laughs> think that there's something, there's a connection between your heart and your hand. And, yeah. and, and as a practitioner, as an acupuncturist, um, uh, there are four channels or meridians that are connected to the heart and, and three of its accessory organs, and they all run down the arm. And so to me, I, I feel like, well, it's natural that we gesticulate with our hands while we're communicating and that we write with our hands and and it's you know it's almost a lost art at this point to actually write with a pen, um, but yeah. there's something different, real, and tangible about writing with a pen than uh, typing. Yeah, because you're coming from your heart. Like I said, I type it on the screen and then I write it with my hand so that I know that I'm writing the words that I want, you know. And I'm really feeling it when I'm doing it because I did it when I typed it, but now I want to feel it when I write it. So when the person gets it, they feel that energy, and it makes a difference. Mm-hmm. It really mm-hmm. does. Okay, listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we're meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. My children's book, Santa's Tiniest Elves, just recently launched. A portion of the proceeds from the sale of the book is going directly to children in need. It is available at Amazon and, of course, through your local bookseller. Please check out Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, where every dollar of every donation directly supports children in need 100%. We're run solely by volunteers. There are no salaries or stipends or compensation of any kind to anyone. We are investing in a brighter tomorrow by giving them a better today. So thank you for taking time to visit our website, SojiHuggles.org. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio. And Soji Huggles, I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. <laughs>